folks. Amen. Brother Brooks, God bless you. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Philippians chapter 1. We began a series in that book last week, and we're going to continue to press on. And Lord willing, we'll finish verse 1 today. Amen. Amen. Philippians 1, Philippians 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? We're using as a title, Saints and Servants. Saints and Servants, this is part two. And we're really looking at some um, key words from Paul's greeting. Key words from Paul's greeting. In this sermon series from the book of Philippians, last week we focused on the word servant. We just stopped right there and we said how Paul, though he was an apostle, a miracle worker, a church founder, a father in the faith, he describes and introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. And then we looked a little deeper into that word and we saw that as Christians, we're not our own. We have been purchased and now we are the possession of the Lord Jesus. And we said that's a good thing. That's a noble thing. That's an honorable thing. That's an exciting thing. To know that His precious blood has redeemed us and purchased us and now we're His very own. And far from it being a negative thing, belonging to the Lord Jesus and being a recipient of His amazing grace and this great salvation, friends, it's liberating, it's fulfilling, and it's empowering. And we looked at those words and we went deeper into that thought. And now this week, I want to focus on another key word from this first verse. And it's the word saints, the word saints. Now, Paul introduces and describes himself as a servant, but then he addresses the believers as saints in Christ Jesus. Now, I said last week, if you had never been called a saint before, you're in the right service. Because if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you are a saint of God. See, the Paul describes himself as a servant. They say, you're saints in Christ Jesus. That literally means you're, you're, you're a sanctified one. You're set apart. You're holy in the eyes of God. We who have accepted Jesus have been separated from sin and separated from this world and given over, devoted to God. Again, key words from this greeting. And this word we look at this morning is the word saints. Literally the holy ones, the separated ones. This is how Paul describes believers. This is how the Word of God describes all who are Christians who love the Lord and walk with the Lord. Now, to our modern ears, that, that word can be a bit misleading. Um, it paints the picture of um, almost an unearthly, un- unworldly um, piety. It, it's connected more with stained glass windows than the marketplace and the reality of life. But the easiest way to understand this word is to say, like in the Old Testament when it was used, it was used if something was holy, it was something that was set apart. It was different from other things because in some way it was set apart for a special use. For example, the priests were set apart from the rest special use. 
The nation of Israel itself was set apart from the nations. The, the tithe was set apart. It, it's something that God chooses and He takes out and He sets it apart for His sacred use. So when Paul writes saints in Christ, and not to get ahead of myself, but this is not a one-time um, um, blip on the page that Paul wrote saints. Again and again, the people of God are called saints in Christ Jesus. So when Paul writes saints in Christ, he means to those who are different from other people, who are devoted and set apart to God because of their special relationship with Jesus Christ. When you came to Jesus, everything changed. Your eternity was transformed in the moment of truly receiving Christ. The Bible says it came unto His own, but His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him. To you and I that are here this morning that have said yes to Christ and received Him as Savior and Lord, to those who have received Him, He gave you, He gave me the power, the privilege to become sons of God, children of God. So saints literally refers to the, the sanctified, the holy ones, those that have been set apart and separated. So every believer... That means you, who has truly trusted and given their lives to Jesus, has said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Now you are separated from this world, this system that is anti-God and anti-Scripture, and you have been set apart for the Lord Jesus Himself. You remember how Jesus referred to it in John 17 when He was praying for us. And Jesus said, Father, um, they're in this world, but they're not of this world. That's how Christians are described. We're in this world. we got to work in this world. Our kids go to school in this world. We have to live in communities. We're not Martians. We're not on some commune somewhere. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. Man, we have a different Lord. We march to a different beat. We obey a different book. Can you say amen? We live here, but we're not up here. We're going somewhere. Amen. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. So don't get too enamored in this age. Live for God all you can while you're here. But remember, there is another day coming. Amen. And see, this is what believers were at Philippi. They weren't just old dead relics of the past. We think of saints. Stuffy and dusty. No, they were living, vibrant believers of the now, of the present, alive unto God. Set apart from that old way of life and the old way of living and thinking. And now devoted, living sacrifices. They found a new way of life in Christ. Peter kind of described it in his book when he said, You are, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to God. For you were called out of darkness unto that marvelous light. Hallelujah. Now, to understand this word a little better, we want to dig into this word. Let's back up and try to explain three stages of our sainthood. Three stages. Going a little deeper. Now, last time we talked about a servant. We went into that word. Now we want to do the same thing. Uh, a set apart one. When Paul says saints in Christ Jesus, you're set apart. By virtue of what Jesus Christ has done on Calvary. And you're receiving Him and believing that. You are now a child of God. You're a saint of God. And there are three stages primarily the Bible teaches about this sainthood. Number one, we can call it the position. The position of being a saint. Or positional. 
um, sanctification. And this speaks about our standing with God in this present moment. When you came to Christ, something happened immediately. Something happened instantaneously. If you were serious when you came to Christ, there is no, um, there is no um, um, process of becoming. Immediately, you became a son or a daughter of God. The moment you received Christ, you were set apart for God. You could have been the worst sinner in town. But the moment you humbly and sincerely gave your life to Christ, that moment, you became a child of God. Your sins were gone. Your name was written in the land's book of life. The Holy Spirit came and took residence within you. The blood of Jesus washed you. A seal of the Spirit marked you. And you were called a son. And you were called a daughter. And that's not going to change. Can you say amen? That's a saint. That's a saint. Now, I know it sounds funny to you and I, but it's not funny to God. He's the one that calls us saints. I know that. If you had to describe some people in the church, um, uh, I'm sure maybe the first word to come to mind wouldn't be saint. That's all right. We all live in the same world here. Isn't that true? But God calls us saints. Isn't that wonderful? And His Word is what matters. His Word is what matters. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. A saint. God knows. Those that are His. What a precious thought. And He knows each one of us by name. And it's God who calls us saints in Christ Jesus. You see, it's a humbling privilege to be a child of God. It's a wonderful privilege to be His very own. And that's what we are. Now, as I was developing this thought, I felt to digress. I felt the nudge of the Spirit. God knows us all by name. And that's a wonderful thought. In fact, Jesus said in John 10 and verse 14, He said, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. And when God speaks about knowing us, it's not merely just um, intellectual. It's more effectual. He knows us, yes, mentally, but He knows us with a heart. He knows us with a love. He knows us with a desire. And Jesus said, I know my sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. And he goes on to say, I lay down my life for this sheep for my love. And, and again, to know is more than intellectual awareness. It speaks of intimate fellowship and relationship that we have with our Savior and our King. And so many times you witness to someone or you talk to someone and you hear them. They say, does God even know I exist? Does God is even aware of what I'm facing? Does not even know what keeps me awake at night? Does God doesn't even know my secret pain or my secret scars? But I want you to know this morning, be encouraged, that the Lord, He knows your name, and He knows your nature, and He knows your needs. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, He declares, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. He wants you to know this morning that He knows you and that He loves you. And His knowing is not just merely facts about you. It's an affection for you. It's a love and it's a desire to, to minister to you and to help you and to keep you and to bring you through to the other side. Jesus said He knows our names. Everybody. I had a friend of mine who used to always preach. Everybody is somebody to Jesus. You're never lost in the crowd. He knows your name. He knows your story. He even knows your deadline. He knows what you have need of. He knows our names. He calls His sheep by name. It's not just the crowd, but He knows you personally and intimately. He knows our names and He knows our natures. So you can trust Him. 
He knows how you're wired. The Bible tells us God not only knows us personally, but intimately. He's acquainted with all of our ways. He saw us when we were being knitted in our mother's womb. He knows every one of us. We're different, folks. Different personalities, different makeup, different backgrounds. We've gone through different things. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. We have different concerns. But our faithful shepherd, he knows that. He knows not just our names, but He knows our natures. And He takes that into consideration when He cares for us. And He guides us. And He leads us. And He comforts us. We have a faithful shepherd. And He considers all that as He guides us through this life. You can trust the leading of the Lord. You can depend fully upon the care and concern of your God. Not only does He know your name, but He knows your nature. He knows what you can and you cannot handle. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you struggle with. And He's understanding and He's compassionate and He is sympathetic. So you can trust Him as He leads you. You can follow Him as He guides you. And you can cast every care and burden upon Him. He won't despise you. He'll help you carry it. He'll give you grace to go through it. Good shepherd of ours that knows our name and He knows our nature and thank God He knows our needs. The awareness and the concern, the um, attention. He cares for the sparrow. How much more those redeemed by His blood. He cares for the flowers of the field. How much more those made in His likeness and made in His image. And He knows your needs. He knows what you're facing this morning. And He knows what you're feeling this morning. And He declares that He is your protector. And He is your provider. And He that began that work in your life, He's going to carry it on to completion. Whatever you're facing, you do not face it alone. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want whatever you have need of. Your God hath provided. Great is His faithfulness. God knows us. God knows us. Somebody take that and let it minister grace to your heart. Let the lie of the devil be rebuked. You're not, you're not, uh, uh, he's not unaware. He's very aware. He's not unconcerned. He's very concerned. And His grace, exactly what you need, is available for you. To take you through. Now, God, who knows us, God is the one who over and over again in the Bible calls us saints. The Bible calls all believers in Christ saints of God. In Ephesians, he begins, to the saints and the faithful ones. In the Corinthians, to the church of God in Corinth, the saints. Man, that church was a mess. Yet God declares, you're saints in Christ Jesus. In Jude, He says that He has entrusted the truth of His Gospel to the saints for our care and for our propagation. So three stages. Number one, the position of being a saint. Your position and my position before God. This is the standing where we now stand. No longer strangers, but we're sons. No longer enemies, but now we're friends. Instantaneously, immediately, the moment you said yes to Jesus and received Him and gave your life to Him, that moment, you passed from death unto life, you became a son, you became a saint, you became a sheep. Hallelujah. We think of that grand old song that Fanny Crosby wrote so many years ago. That wonderful song, I'm to God be the glory. Great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He... But there's a wonderful line in there. I believe it's the second line. And it goes like this. The vilest offender. The vilest offender. You can't be too bad for this God. 
You couldn't have sinned too great that this blood can't cleanse you. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment. Don't worry about no purgatory. That moment. He's not going to put you on trial. That moment. A pardon from Jesus receives. Oh, aren't you glad you've been pardoned? Hallelujah. Um, I'm like the rest of you. They could have thrown the book at us, but thank God the Savior stepped in and there was a pardon and we were free. Position, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. There's no more condemnation. But I still have some growing to do. Isn't that right? Yeah. So that's the second stage. We've gone from the position to the process. Now, where the position was immediate, instantaneous, now the process, well, it's progressive. It, it takes time. It, there's a partnership. All I had to do for the first one is surrender and put my faith in Christ. But now this second stage, now me and the Holy Spirit, we got to work together. Amen? We're partners in the process of becoming. He brought me out that He might bring me in. He brought me out in an instant. But now it's a lifelong journey becoming the one He desires me to be. Amen? And we get saved and God looks at us and He sees the righteousness of Christ upon us. But if you were to look underneath, we all have our flaws and we all have our abrasions and we all have our... And that's where the Holy Spirit of God undertakes that word of progressive sanctification. The process of bit by bit transforming us and maturing us and making us into the ones He desires for us to be. This is where Paul in the second chapter is going to write, work out your salvation. He didn't say work for it. He says you've got it. Now begin to work it out. Now to begin to develop it. Mature in it. Go deeper in it. Enjoy it to a fuller measure. The process. This salvation that we share one-time act, but then it leads to a lifelong endeavor of growing and maturing, of knowing Him more and more, of being transformed into His image, into being that living sacrifice. And this is where we all are at right now. We're all in stage two. We're all in that second part of being a saint where we are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. The process continues throughout our lives. It demands our effort and our partnership with God. And that's what you're doing right now. You're here today because you're partnering with God. You're here today because you want to grow in God. You want to know God better. You're here today so you can receive from God. That's what we do when we read the Word. When we spend time with our devotions. When we serve in various ways that we can mature. When we go through situations allowing God to smooth us and to shape us and to sculpt us. We're working with God so that, listen, thank God, thank God, we're not what we used to be, but we all got to realize we're not what we need to be. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. Praise God for that. But I know I'm not where I need to be. He's calling me to faith to faith and glory to glory. Hallelujah. We are under construction and we should be growing. I like to say that. Every one of us, if you're a Christian, we ought to have uh, on the back of our t-shirts, under construction. Amen? Be patient with your brother. He's under construction. Be patient with your sister. Looks like you. She's under construction. But we're, we're, we're just going through. We're not, we're not perfected yet, are we? No, of course not. Look at you. I mean, you're not perfected yet. <laughs> Mercy. But this is, this is the stage where Paul writes, I put off the old me and I put on Jesus. 
Amen. It says, put off, and it's the image of taking off soiled clothes. You've been out all day working, man. You're under the car, you're in the fields, and you come in, and you can take a shower, and you take that junk off, man, that old stuff off. And then after you take a shower, you don't put it back on, do you? No, you put on something clean. Put on something fresh. And that's the image Paul uses as, as I'm in the process of becoming. As I'm growing to be more like Jesus. I, I'm constantly putting off, and I'm con- putting on. This is where I die to the old me so I can develop the new me. I die to that impatience that I might grow in the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience and love and kindness. This is where my practice starts to line up with my position. Yeah. After all, saints should live saintly, shouldn't they? Uh, what's that old commercial? Where's the beef? Amen. Where's the beef? Enough with the advertising. Enough with the headlines. Where's the substance? Where's the reality? Where's the beef, baby? Where's the beef? Amen. The saints all live saintly. I mean, I, I got that position and I had that standing, but now my practice ought to try to line up with... My practice ought to be near my profession. Like that one lady, she complained and someone stole her beach towel. So she's there at the complaint department. She's going up and down. How can people be so dishonest? Blah, blah, blah. The world, well, you know, going on and on. She said, oh, Lord, give her a beach towel. Amen. And the person will describe it, ma'am. Maybe we can find it. She says, well, it's a white towel with blue trim and it has Holiday Inn written on the... <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, if we're going to confess it, we got to live it. Isn't that right? And this is the process. We're going to live this thing. Hallelujah. Now, to those that mean business with Jesus, to those who have received the Lord, and you really do want to please God and grow in God, I want you to remember these two words. Construction and determination. Construction and determination. If we don't understand construction, It's easy to get condemned. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to quit. If I don't understand I'm under construction, then it's so easy when I see my faults and my failures to say, man, maybe this ain't for me. Maybe I'm just not good enough. And the devil jumps on that. And he begins to lie to you with signs following. You know what I mean? He'll just tell you. But construction. You're under construction. So keep growing. You're under construction. This is a process. It's a partnership. It's progressive. We're under construction. But secondly, don't, if I don't understand determination or effort, then I can become very laxed and very careless in my walk. Very, very, I can begin to drift and make no progress. That's where I have to understand the word determination. I have to do my part. I have a role to play in this Christian experience. So we understand that this second phase that we live in, this is where we live. Thank God we are saints because we've received Christ and we are born again. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. He holds us in the hollow of his hand and no devil in in hell or Durant can snatch us from that hand. We're secure in him. But now we're living and we're in this process of growing. And he's calling us to be like him. He's calling us to mature and develop the graces and the attributes and the character, the fruit of the Spirit, and to be more like Christ. And so that's where I'm at now. And so I'm dying to a lot of old things and I'm growing to a lot of new things. And I understand sanctification is not a one-time perfection. 
There's a process and a partnership with God. Again, I'm not what I used to be, praise God. But I'm not yet what I'm going to be. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. That's why we love so much that sixth verse of this first chapter. Being confident of this very thing. That he that began a good work in me, he shall complete it and perform it. That's why you and I can reject condemnation. Because we know in Christ he's going to finish his work. That's why we can receive Christ's correction. Because we know we're in the process of becoming. And one of the ways that He molds us and shapes us and smooths us is by putting us on that potter's wheel and speaking into our lives and helping us to overcome and helping us grow. Therefore, we refuse to quit because we know even though we're not quite there yet, God won't let go of us. God's going to keep working with us to bring us all the way through. Therefore, wherever you're at in your walk with God, don't back up, don't give up. Just clean up and get up and keep marching on in the Lord. I remember this story and it always blesses me. There was an older gentleman, an elder in a church that was concerned. There was a young man that had attended for a while and his name was Jim. We'll call him Jim. Jim. And um, Jim was being a bit inconsistent in his church attendance, so the older gentleman thought maybe a visit to encourage him and uh, find out what's going on might help him. And, well, Jim worked at a car dealership, and he was in the showroom part, and it was a little cubicle, crunching numbers or doing something like that. And so the older gentleman found him and said, Jim, I've been concerned about you. I haven't seen you. You've been on my heart. And what's happening? And Jim just, he opened up, and he said, Mr. Brother, I fall short so often that I just don't feel like I fit in. Maybe I'm just not good enough for all this. Now, while, while, they're, while they're there in the showroom, all of a sudden they could hear all the noise and the banging, the hydraulics in the lift from the service department. And the old man says, Jim, what's all that noise? <laughs> Jim kind of laughs. said, well, brother, that, that's the that's, that's service department. That, that's where they're fixing the cars. That's where they're you know, maintaining them and they're working on the cars. The old man says, son, here's your problem. You've got to remember, the church isn't a showroom. It's a service department. The church isn't a place we come to show off how holy we are and how we got together. Oh, no. Church is the place where we come that the Lord can work and mold us. The old man said, listen, son, don't you give up. You allow God to work in your life. And as long as you keep coming, the Holy Spirit mechanic will do his work. And let's be honest, many of us have walked with God a lot of years. And if we could testify, we're here today because we love God. We're here today because we want God. But if we're honest, we're here today because we need God. We need God. We need God. Apart from the grace of God, where will we go? Apart from feeding on the Word, where will... my soul needs to be ministered to by the service department of heaven. I need fresh oil. I need fresh fuel. I need to smooth out some rough places. I need to get polished out some scars from the last week. I need some divine alignment to be restored when life hits you and you feel like you're crumbled and sometimes you get knocked out of character. Oh, we need the Holy Ghost 
maintenance department to work on us. That's why we're here. If you're here today and sometimes you're always struggling, you keep faithful. You keep coming. You keep allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to walk in you. You're going to grow. You're going to overcome. You're going to develop. Those things that entangle you, they're not going to entangle you forever. Your freedom is coming. Your breakthrough is coming. You're going to get stronger. You're going to get stabler. Just don't give up. Keep coming and let God work. Hallelujah. Construction. Stay on the wheel. Work with God. We're all under it. And if you're struggling, listen, you're not the first person and you won't be the last. Just keep coming and let God do His work. Victory's around the corner for you. But now, remember determination. I've got to work with... God is willing. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. And He loved you when we were all wicked sinners. How much more now that we're sons? Think about that. Amen? Don't you think He loves you now? I mean, He loved us when we were out there doing crazy things. How much more now that we're trying to serve Him? He loves you. God's for you. God's for you. Sometimes people act like God's not for them. I got news. God's for you. Amen? He's not against you. He's not waiting for you to mess up so you can... No, 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 no. He wants to bring you through. He wants to give you that victory. So you keep walking with Him. But now remember, you have a part to do. God is more than willing. He's so full of mercy. He's so full of grace. He so desires to see you become what He's called you to be. But you have your part to do. You have to have an effort and a response to the grace of God. Determination. Determination. I must do my part in the process. I have to be intentional. I have to be intentional. Only thing that grows accidentally are weeds. I have to be intentional in my pursuit of God. In my desire to grow in God. I need to develop good and godly habits, disciplines, investments that will help me grow, that will bring a good return. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Don't you see this? This is beautiful. We're going to see here how Peter's going to talk about how God has given. God has given. We are possessors of all we need. But that doesn't cancel out us doing our part. It does not cancel out. In fact, it calls us to our part. His divine power has given us everything. Isn't that beautiful? His divine has, not some glad morning, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Isn't that wonderful? You've got all you need to live an overcoming life. You have all you need to grow in faith. You have it. Same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in you. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness, we have. Now, through these, He has given. Here it is again. He has given us His very great, precious promises. He's given them. Go ahead and lay hold of them. He's given them. Go ahead and walk in them. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Wonderful. Right now, participate in that divine nature. Escape. You can escape those old habits. You can escape those bad dreams. You can escape those old things that try to entangle you and corrupt you and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil to die. Right now we have the ability. Right now we can walk in this victory. But here's something that required of us for this very reason. Because you have it. 
Because God has given it. Because God desires for you to walk in the freedom, in the fullness, in the victory of more than a conqueror for this very reason. Make every effort. Means do your, tell your neighbor, you got to do your part. Mm. Make every effort to add to your faith. To grow in your faith. To advance in your faith. And to mature in your faith. I came across an article this week. The article was... Um, on the law of consistency, but there was a line in it that, that got my attention. It said, motivation gets you going. Discipline keeps you growing. Motivation gets you going, but discipline keeps you growing. Motivation. You bring in that financial guru and everybody gets motivated to get out of debt. Well, that's good to get motivation. But how many of you know is motivation will get you going, but only discipline is going to keep you growing. Many people say, I want to play that instrument like brother, sister, so-and-so. I want to work. And they take a lesson or two. Motivation. Get you going, but only discipline is going to keep you growing. Hallelujah. Part of the process, I have to have a determination that I'm going to work with God to grow. I'm going to order my life that I can seek first the kingdom and grow in the grace and knowledge of my Savior and my King. I remember some years ago um, reading uh, a little neat fact about um, Australia and their, their coat of arms. Their coat of arms it, it has two creatures, two pictures, two animals and their coat of arms that characterizes um, Australia. One is the emu, the emu. It's a flightless bird, like an ostrich, all right? Flightless bird. I mean, some of my buddies down in Texas tell me they make good boots. But anyway, they're uh, Australian coat of arms. There's, there's an emu and a kangaroo. An emu and a kangaroo. And the animals were chosen because they share a characteristic that appeals to the Australian citizens. You see, both the emu and the kangaroo can only move forward, they can't go back. Child of God, keep going forward. Keep going forward in the Lord. You might have some bad days, get up, dust yourself off, keep going in the Lord. Uh, you, know, you might stumble, that's all right, just confess it, get it cleaned and press on, press on, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Go on, go on, go on, go on. If you fall, join the rest of us. Everyone's messed. Go on, go on, go on. See, the, that emu is, has a three-toed foot and he can't. he falls if he goes backwards. Kangaroo's tail is so big, he can't move in reverse. And I think that's a great example for a child of God. We put our hands to the plow, and we're not going to turn back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. And this is what brings progress and advancement. That, that finisher spirit, that no turning back spirit, that's the spirit that helps us continue on. And mature in advance. May it describe us. May it describe us. The position right now, you are a saint of God. If you've received Jesus Christ sincerely, you're serving the Lord. You're a saint. Forgiven. Highly favored. A son. Separated. But now, we're in this process of becoming. And this is where we work with God. This is where we allow the Word and the Holy Spirit to transform us. This is where we grow progressively 
and we're turned into His image. This is where I strive to see my practice line up with my position under construction. But now, there's a third one. We're not there yet. Not only is there the um, position and the process, there is the perfection, the final completion of this sainthood that we're talking about. Because there's coming a day when the believer will be perfectly and forever set apart unto God, set apart from sin, this fallen world and all of its curse. There is a day coming when we shall see Him and we shall be like Him. John writes about it in 1 John the third chapter. He talks about the ultimate sanctification that's to come. He says, dear friends, now we're children of God. We're children of God right now. Amen? Right now we're saved. Right now we know the Lord. Right now there's no condemnation. And what we will be has not yet been made known. I'm not there yet. <clears throat> saved I'm being saved. I'm transformed, but I'm not totally transformed. But we know this much. When He appears, and I want you to know He shall appear. Sooner than many think, He shall appear. When He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Hallelujah. And that's why we live like we live. That's why everyone who has this hope in Christ, we purify ourselves. That's why we live ready. That's why we're doing our part. That's why we partner with God. That's why we're living intentionally to grow in God and to please the Lord and to mature in God because we know He's returning and we have been saved and we're being saved. And one glad morning we shall forever be completely transformed with His mortal. We'll put on immortality and the corruption will corrupt no longer. The immortal comes and we'll forever be with our our Lord. And that's the goal we face. And that's why we're not going to sell out for the present things of this life. We're not going to give up for a little temporal satisfaction, a little carnal treat. No, no, no. We wouldn't sell this for anything. We're looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. We're looking forward to a day there'll be no more bad doctor's reports. There'll be no more runaways. There'll be no more abuse. We're looking forward to that day when we shall see Him face to face. And we will forever be with Him. And this process will be completed and will forever be with our God. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Isn't it good to be a saint? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. Saints of God. So Paul begins this letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. If he's writing to us, it's to all the saints. In Christ Jesus at Durant. Saints. The holy ones. Sanctified ones. The ones that have been set apart. Because of what Christ has done. And you're receiving. Of what he has done. Next time. We're going to look at two other words. But I think we go to the next verse. Yeah, we're going to get to verse 2. And the words are very simply. Grace and peace. Grace and peace unto you. You want a word next week? God's going to give you a word. And it's grace and peace. Hallelujah. Let's bless the Lord for the great salvation. And let's do our part to grow and mature to be the sons and daughters He desires us to be. Amen? Amen. We're going to come to the altar and um, we're just going to bless the Lord a little bit before we go. We're just going to thank Him. We're just going to thank Him and we're just going to praise Him. 
God's been good to us, has He not? God's been so good to us. God's been so good to us. We're on the journey, folks. And until that day, until the day when you see Him face to face, let's keep fighting the good fight. Let's keep doing our part to grow in the grace. And let's make the most of the life we have. Let's make the most of the life we have for Jesus' sake. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. We're going to say our final prayer and then we'll open the altar. And if you're here today and things are not right between you and the Lord, don't, don't shrug them off. That's an easy way to become complacent about a condition. It can cost you. Don't become complacent about a wrong condition because it can cost you. So as we begin to worship the Lord, if things aren't right, make them right. Serve Jesus with all your heart. Give Him your very best. You'll never be, you'll never regret doing so. If you haven't received Christ, come. Invite Him in. Become a saint. Let His precious blood wash you. Let His Holy Spirit take up residence in you and transform you. You're here today and you just need prayer. You just want to come and pray or praise the Lord. You're invited to come and worship God. If you need prayer, maybe you're sick in your body and you want someone to lay hands and believe God for a miracle. He is a miracle-working God. And what He did yesterday, He's willing to do today in this service right now. So come believing and expecting and watch God's power touch and work in your life. Heavenly Father, we love You. We thank You for these wonderful descriptions of Christians. We recognize the Bible is Your Word. So we will not just glance over it, but we will recognize and we will rejoice over the truths of Scripture. Father, that you would call us saints is a very humbling thing. What a privilege to know, because of Jesus, you have redeemed us and you have rescued us and you have taken us out of the world in the past and you have made us your very own. And now we're set apart for your use and for your glory. Help us, Lord, to remember this description that it might motivate us in our practice and in our living. That when we go through this world, we're in it, but we're not of it. But as we walk through it, Lord, we will remember we are sons and daughters. We are saints of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do our best to represent you. And we're going to do our best to serve you and to grow in you. And we're going to work with you to become the ones you've called us to be. Lord, I pray if anyone's here today and they're struggling, sometimes it seems like one step forward, a step back. Lord, I pray their hearts will be encouraged today to shrug off those disappointments, to get a fresh motivation, to serve you and to seek you and to get back in that race. For your will for each one of us is that we be finishers and that we accomplish your will and your desire. Now, Father, as we come to this altar, Receive our praise and answer our prayers. Let lives be transformed that draw near. Let lives receive a touch from heaven that come with an expectation. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. You're invited to come. Let's believe God together. Let's touch God together.